Hey, thanks for joining us for another message from the City Church. We're a local church in Mississauga, Ontario, gathering in community as we move closer to Jesus. We hope this message from our lead pastor, Brent Coulter, encourages you wherever you're joining us from today. Good morning, church. How are you guys doing this morning? Good. It's great to see you all. I just wanted to uh, confirm with our awesome twins this morning. I love when they speak over each other. It's so great. Man, you need to be in the city group in this season. It's such an important time for us to be a walking uh, out our faith with one another. And just so many different groups for you to choose from. So please, um, just get in a group, make some friendships. You know, the, the faith that we walk in, we're never meant to walk it alone. We're supposed to be doing it with one another, uh, helping one another, sharing with one another. So make sure that you go ahead and sign up for a city group. Hey, you know what? This is a volunteer appreciation week in the world. And I just want to say that we have the best team, city team, volunteers, servant leaders here at the City Church. So if you happen to be in the room this morning and you are serving somewhere on one of our city teams, could you just stand this morning? And even if you're at home, part of our city team, just go ahead and stand at home in your kitchen, on your sofa. We want to recognize you. Thank you so much for serving. We love you and appreciate you. And just uh, for all of the city team, uh, you know, because we're not doing kids right now, we have such a big portion of our city team that serves in kids. We just want to recognize them. Can't wait to have kids ministry back. That'll be super exciting in the future. And what we always say about this group, this is not a closed club. Uh, Just like Emmanuel talked about there, there's lots of places to serve here at the church. Uh, If this is your church family, we encourage you. Uh, You know, just like you're having a party uh, at your house because somebody's coming over. What does the family do? The family comes early uh, or is early. Mom gives you the instructions to prepare. Why? Because there's guests coming. And then you stay late and clean up. And that's a great metaphor for what our city team does. Hey, there's people coming every Sunday to hear about Jesus. What am I going to do? I'm going to come early to prepare, and then I'm going to stay late to make sure that everything's taken care of in the house of God. So it is it's a great opportunity for us to sign up and be part of the city team. And then one other thing I just want to make mention of, um, just a quick comment about, you know, we're, we're living in very interesting times in the world and different things like that. And I just want to say, um, just in case you were wondering, I actually have a lot of political opinions, but none of which that I actually want to share from this stage, because I feel like the leadership that I have, the leadership that God has given to me is not actually to spout off my political opinions. Now, if you want to have a private discussion, we could go for four or five hours. But if I give an opinion from the stage about politics, it would just be that. It would just be another political opinion. But one of the things that we can do as the family of God is that we can pray. I feel like we can all agree that this is something that all of our leaders would need. Um, Our opinions that we yell at the television, which my kids tell me once in a while, Dad, why are you talking to the television? They are not going to hear those things, but what we can do of value is that we can pray to God and we know God hears us when we pray. Uh, so that we can, uh, I guess we can all agree if we were in these positions of authority that these would be very difficult decisions that we would have to make. And what we would love in a time like this is someone to pray for us. So why don't we just do that for right now? Father God, we just love you so much and we thank you, Lord, for Canada, for the nation that we get to live in. 
And we just take a moment, Lord, to pray for our municipal and our provincial and our national leaders. We pray, Lord, in this difficult season of the world and life, we just pray that you pour out your grace upon them. We just thank you, Lord, for your help. Um, everything that they need in this moment to make righteous decisions and choices. God, we just pray that you help them and that you are leading them and guiding them. And we just thank you for that. And we just thank you, Lord, for this morning. As we minister to your word, we thank you, Lord, for your grace upon us to hear and your grace upon us to preach. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. All right. So we are in week two of battle ready. Is everybody getting your battle positions ready? Put your stuff aside for a second. We're getting now. My kids made so much fun of me last week about my position, my battle position. They didn't like it. They didn't like my punching, shadow boxing, and I threatened to bring them up to the stage, but they also threatened that there would be a battle in the middle of church if I tried to get them to come up to the stage. So let's all get our battle positions ready and ready to strike a pose. Some people aren't ready. I mean, you're here this morning, so you might as well get ready. We're going we're gonna to do our battle pose. Here we go. Give me a good battle pose. All play this morning. All play. Oh, we got some of <laughs> We are in a battle in life. And this is what this series is, series is all about. You know, the scripture tells us that we have an enemy of our soul. And I don't know if you've ever done any battles of any kind. You know, my growing up um, in my home, my dad and I would wrestle a lot. And then and until he got... You know, until I got to the place, maybe 16 or 17, that I could overcome him a little bit, and then all of a sudden he retired. I don't know how this happened. And then we would arm wrestle. We would arm wrestle for just growing up. Obviously, when you're super small, you're, you know, your dad was pretending um, that, you know, that you could almost beat him. And then when I got to the stage where I could be in arm wrestling, he retired again. Same thing happened with ping pong. When I finally could beat him at ping pong, he retired soon after. It was amazing how these things happened. But if you've ever done any battling of any kind, you know, there was one season in life that I'm like, Dad, we need to get some boxing gloves. You know, he was always a big boxing fan growing up, and so I was watching boxing with him. We need to get some boxing gloves. And so I was pretty young at the time. And then the one rule that we had if we were going to box together is that he was like, there's no punching in the face. But that was the only thing I wanted to do. <laughs> I wanted to punch him in the face. <laughs> like, body shots only, so, we're, you know, we're going at it. And then I just right across the cheek, and then he retired from boxing um, also <laughs> in that moment. You know, we, someone said about a fight, you know, everybody has a good strategy until you get hit in the face, and that's when the battle becomes real and really difficult for us. And when the battle we are talking about the scripture, in the scripture, or from the scripture, is that there is an enemy of our soul, and the devil just can't kill you doesn't have, he's not all powerful like God, he's not everywhere all of the time, but the one trick that the enemy has for us is deception. He's subtle, he's a deceiver, he's an accuser. And all of these things exist within our mind and they are attacks on our thoughts, and we're going to be talking about that this morning. See, the tactics that the enemy has for us is to get us distracted with anything except God. Like we read last week in Ephesians chapter 6, we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, and it talks about this present darkness. Now, every 
iteration of the church in a specific season is going to have different battles to fight. We can look historically at the church in a different season and different centuries and what was happening in the culture, and then the church um, would be opposing some of those spiritual things, those things that would create darkness in the culture. There's a very specific thing happening in our culture and in so many different ways, and we need to be aware that the enemy is being very tactical, and we also need to be very wise. So we've missed out on the enemy's perfect will for our lives. Um, Followers of Christ, we're going to spend eternity with him forever. And so if we've lost out, if the enemy's lost out with us in that moment, the next thing that he would try to get us to do is to have our lives be meaningless. He's like, okay, I lost out on that battle. They're going to be with Jesus forever, but I'm going to make their lives innocuous or not important or meaningless. I'm going to get them distracted by as many things possible, get them to fight every other fight except the necessary fight, and just to, you know, set up a trap between people. And, you know, the enemy is like this. A a friend of mine and I a while ago, a close friend, we we got into a, a relationship battle because we both had somebody telling us lies about each other. And then him and I were fighting, and then we realized after a while, having a discussion, that it was this third party, it was this other person, who was creating the battle between him and I. And this is what the enemy is doing. The enemy is creating battles between people, people and people groups and political parties and all these different things, and he's creating these battles, and then he's walking away just laughing. Because we're just thinking, we're just thinking that people are the problem, but people are not the problem. It's, it's these things, that these, these rulers and, and these thoughts that we're struggling with. We have to know that we have an enemy of our soul. And, and the enemy that we would see, there's so many things happening in culture, but so many of these fights going on in culture have to do so much with identity. We, we see in the New Testament, what is our New Testament identity? I am in Christ, and I am a son and daughter of God. So many things in the New Testament about who I am, and then there's a fight in this present time about identity. There's a fight for our focus to worship everything except God. We need to love this. We need to love this thing. We need to love this idea. We need to love this. I worship anything but God. Family. There is a fight against the family. The most important group that anyone would grow up in is a mother and a father and children. This, there's a fight against the family. Because when you destroy a family, you destroy people. And we can all testify that's true. Even if we've grown up in a difficult family, we know that there's a fight for families. The enemy is fighting against families. The enemy is fighting for us to misdirect our passions, for us to just be selfish creatures, that life is all about me. But Jesus taught us that life is all about serving one another. And he came not to be served, but to serve. So what does the culture get us to do? The culture gets us to say me. Everything is about me. And look at the products. They're selling me products because it's going to make my life better, and it's all about me. And all of these things are happening subtly under the surface, and we have to know and be aware that we are in this fight. You are in a fight. But the good news about the fight and the fight that we sang about this morning, that Jesus has won the fight. 
And this is the place that we are operating from as we are talking about the battle. The battle has been won by Jesus. And what we want to do is we want to fight on the side from which the victory has already been provided. We don't want to be fighting for the wrong things. This is what the enemy will do. It's like, hey, you need to fight for these things. And you need to distract your whole life for these things that seem like good things, but then there are complete distractions from all of the things I just mentioned. He's won the fight. And praise God, the Holy Spirit is our helper in the fight. We're not alone. We don't have to do this alone. He is with us at every moment. And this is what we, we're going to be focusing on this morning. But, and there's a battle in your mind, and there's a battle for your mind. We are going to fight this battle every day of our lives. First Timothy chapter 6 Verse 12 says this, Fight the good fight of faith, take hold of eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Fight the good fight of faith. Now, the fight of faith is not a fight against God. It's the fight of remaining in this place of faith in God. That is the place of strength. And all of the mental battles that we are going to fight are to get us out of living out of that place of trust in God, because that is the place of strength, that is the place of grace, that is the place of victory. So the enemy is trying to get us out of that place. That is the fight that we are fighting. He's strategizing, so we need to strategize as well. First Peter chapter 5, verse 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. In other words, we need to think. We need to be aware of what's going on. Your adversary, you have an adversary. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him firm in your faith. We need to resist, not lay down, not quit, not give up. Oh, man, the battle is so hard. The battle is so difficult. So many thoughts. To sift through. So many things being offered to me to think about in all the areas that we discussed are just bombarding us constantly. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. After you have suffered a little while, the God of grace, who has called you to his eternal glory, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. 10 verse 16, behold, I'm sending you out. We can't look at this difficult world and be like, you know what? Let's just run to the hills. Let's just sell all our houses and let's build cabins in the mountains and forget about the world. No, the Lord loves the world, loves all of the people in the world. So he's sending us out in the world. We obviously know to do the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28 about discipleship, that we're going to reach people far from God, that we ourselves are going to be discipled. Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So, be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Sending us out. So what do we need? We need to be sharp. Be alert. Be wise. Be strong. But then we're also going to be gracious. We're going to combine these two things. We're going to be 
Here's why we're going out there in the midst of the battle. There's wolves out there in the battle. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. But then he says, be wise as servants, innocent as doves. It's a great combination in there. So I have a one-clock message for you today, and it is about your thoughts. Then what we, we just read there talks about anxiety, anxiousness. What is fear? Have you thought about what fear is? What is fear? Fear is a thought. And that's all that it is. It's just a thought. Think about the thought. Because this is what happens to us here. It's like, oh, casting all your anxiety on the Lord, for he cares for all of these anxious things happening on the inside of us. So what are we doing when we're anxious about the future? We have the imagination that we have. We are using it for negative things. We're thinking about all of the things that could go wrong. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't be wise, that we shouldn't be aware of choices that we would make and what would happen from those choices. There's wisdom in that. But anxiousness has to do with an emotion that I would feel as I would dream about the future in a negative way. And what is that? It's all that it is, is a thought. But really, that's what it is. And that shows us how powerful thoughts are. Thoughts direct our lives. Direct how we live our lives. The attitudes that we have, the words that we say, the choices that we make, they all come from thoughts. Do we ever think about what we're thinking about? Am I thinking the thoughts of the kingdom? Jesus would come and I said that he preached the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom. And all of Jesus' sermons, he would say, hey, this is what the kingdom of God is like. And he would lay out a parable. Why? Because he would want us, and he's wanting us, to think a certain way about how to live in this world. To filter out certain thoughts. I'm not going to think those thoughts. I'm going to think these other thoughts. I'm going to think these kingdom thoughts. My daughter and I watched uh, a movie or a miniseries on Netflix last week, a week or two ago. About was it the Gardner Museum in Boston? Does name it? The Gardner Museum in Boston that was robbed about 30 years ago, and it was one of these paintings. Uh, it was actually really interesting. This this Rembrandt uh, painting that's been missing for 30 years that was taken out of this museum, and, and this painting is all about Jesus and his disciples um, on the Sea of Galilee. You know the the famous story where Jesus says, peace be still. And it's such an interesting painting. And as I was thinking about this museum, you know, when we are, when we think about a museum and how they have all of these paintings, all of these special paintings, and the famous museums have the most expensive paintings. And there's something at a museum called a curator. And what that curator is doing is that they're picking paintings artwork to put in their museum. Now, all of the paintings don't make the cut. I am probably one of the worst artists on the planet. The last time I took art was in grade 8, and it's the only D I ever got. This is not my thing. 
Curtis. I got an A in math. You did, yo. All right. <laughs> if I were to create some artwork and present it to a museum curator, what would they do with my art? It wouldn't make the cut. And this is how we need to think about the thoughts in my mind. The thoughts in my mind should be like works of art. They should be beautiful. They should be inspiring. There should be some richness to them. They should be fine art thoughts. We are kingdom thought curators. This thought does not deserve to be hung in the museum of my mind. It's not worthy. Do we know what those thoughts are? Or do all the thoughts that come into my mind, do all the thoughts that I watch on the news, do all the thoughts that are coming from culture, are they worthy for me to think about? How do I distinguish? What is the value structure that I'm using to hang artwork in my mind. Because if we're choosing the wrong artwork, we will mess up our lives from thoughts. Everything is not worth thinking about. Every thought doesn't have the same value just like works of art that we would hang in a museum, and you can stand and look at works of art, this Rembrandt painting, I'm talking about, I've been looking at it, I'm not much of an art person, but this is there's so much in this painting that's, that we see it from the scripture, that we can look at something and it can inspire us, but I have to curate those thoughts, all of the thoughts that come my way are not worthy hanging in my mind. We need to be able to distinguish what those thoughts are. So everyone's filtering their thoughts through some sort of value structure. God, your wisdom, wants to inform us of that value structure. Because your thoughts become your life. Fear is just a thought, but if you don't deal with it, it becomes your life. And it's not good artwork to look at. It's not worthy of hanging in the museum of your mind. First John chapter 5, verse 4 says this, Everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Here's, our, here's how we're going to have victory over these thoughts. It has to do with our faith in God, our trust in God, as to what God says, what he's showing us through wisdom and grace. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God, overcomes the world? What is the world being described there? Overcome the world. Is it people? Is it we're, we're winning over people? Is that we're better than people? of this present time. 
There's things to overcome. There's things to set aside. There's things not to hang in your mind. Colossians 2, verse 8, be careful not to allow anyone to captivate you.
obey Christ. Every thought. So, that means we have to think about what we are going to think about. Am I, is, it, is this a deceitful way to think? Is the end of this righteous, good, healthy? And we all know this to be true. All of us have made stupid choices at one time, and we know we've ended up somewhere that we didn't know. I made that choice. I didn't think it was going to take me here. But if I had to slow down and thought about it, I could have seen something. And we're supposed to be taking hold of our thoughts, to be obedient of Christ. And what does that mean? Lining it up with the kingdom of God. So that we're not distracted by all of these other things. We are supposed to have kingdom-filtered knowledge. Let's curate thoughts worth thinking. Here's a filter for us. Ellen read from the same chapter here today. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. There's a really good filter right there. Okay, so what are you telling me, Pastor? So these are the only things that I'm allowed to think about? So I can never watch the news, I can never see the problems in the world? No, that's not at all what I'm saying. We need to be aware of what's going on in the world. But I'm not going to meditate on those things. What I am going to do is I'm going to meditate on these things that's going to make me strong to go and fight this battle out in the world. Because these are the things that are going to strengthen me. These are the things that are worth thinking about. That will make me strong for the battle. If all I ever do is hang out in the world... And look at my phone and watch the news. And look at my phone and watch the news. What, what are the what are the what is the artwork hanging in my mind? Have I curated it properly? No, these are the things that we need to think about. Verse nine. Listen, and what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. See, the problem so much, you know, it's not that we can't experience God's peace at any moment. is that our thought life is keeping us out of peace. We have, when we take in information about what's happening in the world and all of these different things. See, the enemy just wants us to think about it and think about it and think about it and think about it and think about it. And then we have no peace. Fearful. And once again, I'm not saying that we pretend that those things aren't true, because those are true things. The world is a very difficult place. But the enemy just wants us to hang out here and be depressed and be sad and live useless lives until we get to heaven. What God wants us to do, He wants us to curate our thinking. If there's anything worthy, if there's anything of praise, if there's anything excellent, anything true. I'm going to meditate on those things, and then I'm armed for the battle to go out there and make a difference in the world, the real world that we live in. But the enemy 
to deceive us and just, hey, I'm going to think the thoughts of the world. What's this 30-year-old scholarship from university based on faulty ideas? I'm going to think those thoughts, and somehow I'm going to present truth to the world. No, you are not. What is the Word of God telling me? What is the ancient wisdom of God telling me? These are the things that he wants me to think. This is the value structure through which we are supposed to be filtering our thoughts. Don't let bad artwork hang in the museum of your mind. It's not worthy of your time. True, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable excellence. These are the things that we need to meditate on, from which we base our lives so that we are strong. Thank you. 
verse 15. I will meditate on your precepts, fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. God, what did you say? What is the wisdom of the ages? What is your wisdom? What is wisdom that transcends this present darkness, this present cultural moment? wisdom that goes beyond all of these things that are happening in culture? There is. What is it that you're saying, God? What is it that's true? How should I be in the world today? What are the thoughts that you're wanting me to think? What are the things that I need to filter out? What are the things that seem like a really good idea, but then down the road, they aren't? I don't want to think those things. Am I angry? Am I fearful? 
living in all of those places, you're open to deception. Because the enemy is prowling around, seeking someone to devour. And if I'm in a hopeless place, and if I'm in a fearful place, and if all of my doing is looking at the news and being depressed, and being sad and being hopeless, which you could have good reason to, but you have to know, you have to know that the enemy is trying to hang artwork in your mind. Just like we sang about, we need to run to God. God, I know all of these things are happening in the world, but I'm coming to you. What do you say to me? What do you want me to think about? What do you want me to do in this moment? Because the thoughts of God take us
taking a first step in your relationship with God by saying yes to Jesus, the good news, the gospel. It's all about Jesus accomplishing something for us that we could never do for ourselves. The gospel is all about Jesus living a sinless life, dying on the cross, God raising him from the dead. And because of all of that taking place, God just offers us a relationship with himself. It's just grace. Thank you for taking the time to listen in. Be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for other messages. For more content from The City Church or to connect with us, visit us at thecitychurch.ca or find us on Facebook or Instagram at citychurchgta. Thanks again for joining us.